and they used to sell balloons at the mall. And uh, you'd buy these balloons for 50 cents, and moms would get them, they'd tie them on the strollers, and the kids would fall. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if they would still do that. And uh, I walked through the mall, and I remember looking up, and it was like 40 foot ceilings in the mall. And I started noticing all these balloons that were stuck on the ceiling. Kids had let them go. Yeah. They, they had helium in them, they went yeah. to the ceiling. So I got this idea. I was like, dude, if I could reclaim those <laughs> balloons. So uh, the next day, or no, actually, probably the next week, I got the some kite string from the home, I got some masking tape, and so I had, I had 50 cents by that point, so I bought one balloon. And then I put all the masking tape on the outside, turned inside out, and I put the kite string on it. And so I started like letting the balloons up, sticking them to the balloons <laughs> on the ceiling, and pulling them back down. So after about 30 or 45 minutes, I had like five or six balloons. I go to the other end of the mall, and I sell them all for a quarter. <laughs> so That's awesome. the moms love it. They can buy two balloons for both kids. So, so but my life is full of those kind of stories because if I had, if I wanted something, I really yeah. had to find a way, a creative way. From the IT company, it's made right here. The stories of East Tennessee founders, creators, and builders. From the idea behind it to the impact it had on the community, their employees, and their personal lives, we're taking you behind the scenes of the movements they built. Hey, this is Paul from the IT Company, and welcome back to the Made Right Here podcast. Today, we have Neil Kuntz of Healthcare Receivables Group. Neil is a friend and so fun to interview. You're going to learn a ton. There's so much wisdom in here uh, and some fun stuff about just Neil and his work ethic, the creativity he brings into the approach to business from as a kid, figuring out how to take helium balloons stuck to the mall ceiling and sell them to parents. And just the way he approaches um, his job, the jobs that he had and and really learning from the mistakes that others were making. And just a great, great episode and a great story of a guy who has really given a ton back to our community and many people don't even know. So Look forward to you listening. Enjoy. Neil Kuntz. Neil is a customer and a friend and I guess CEO president of Healthcare Receivables Group. Yeah. Right? That's okay. right. So um, thanks for being Yeah, well, thanks for having show. me. Yeah. yeah. You're welcome. Very humbling. Oh, well, thanks. Um, I think, I don't actually, oh, you grew up in Nashville. So tell yeah. me, like, like. Davidson County National. Yeah, I, really? I grew up in a little area called Berry Hill, okay, and yeah. uh, we never had to worry about keeping up with the Joneses because <laughs> we all my my neighborhood was part of um, after the Vietnam War, um, the Air National Guard, the Army Guard was right there, okay, and they put all the officer housing in these couple oh, of little wow. neighborhoods. Huh. So uh, I like to joke that we were tiny house living before <laughs> tiny house living was cool. We had a nine hundred and five square foot house. Four of us, one one bathroom. But, wow. but what was what was funny? We didn't know any different as kids. All our neighbors had the same size yeah. house, so yeah. it wasn't like hey, the people down the street right. have a big house. Yeah. It, but it was a great huh. it was a great environment. It was Where a great is location. Berry Hill? Berry Hill is near um, One Hundred Oaks Mall. Back in the day, One Hundred Oaks oh. Thompson Lane. Oh yes, I sixty five area. Yeah. So okay. it was just a little pocket there, and now yeah. it's uh, now it's mostly commercial. Uh, recording studios. Uh, okay. When I grew up, I had uh, four or five recording studios. Really? Uh, within, within, huh. yeah, I could walk out of my front yard and count them. Yeah, oh, it was wow. pretty neat. So, your parents, tell me about your parents. Yeah, uh, I had a great childhood. My, my parents are awesome. My mom just passed away a few years ago. Uh, my mom was really part of some of my inspiration to start a business. I think sometimes you don't know what you can do until you see it modeled mm. or, or, you know, you're, you kind of have a ringside seat. My mom was always uh, entrepreneurial, and she, back in the day, now when I say Franklin, <laughs> Tennessee, nowadays everybody, oh, Franklin's like this good. Well, back in, you know, 40 years ago, Franklin right. was just a little suburb yeah. of, uh, but it was really historic. My mom had an antique shop down there. In Franklin? Yeah. From on, the, on the square. She drove from there. She drove Franklin from. Road out there, and it was on the square. She was right next huh. door to the old jail and wow. all, the, all the historic stuff down there. Oh, cool. But she had an antique shop. She later had a clock shop. So she did a lot of, she was kind of a pioneer being being a woman, a woman. And, and, so and so having a business. This would have been 60s. in the mid-70s, oh, wow. something like that. Really? Yeah, early 70s. Crazy. Yeah. Wow. yeah. And what about your dad? 
My dad uh, was in sales, and uh, he was always he'd get in his car every day and you know drive all over Tennessee. Uh -huh. and he worked for a company that uh, uh, was a like a dealer for small engines, so anything that had a small engine on it. And so he would go out and he would wow. call on not the right word, but like Western Auto, yeah. you know, independent lawn, you know, all these kind of huh. lawn equipment companies and all that kind of stuff. Wow. So, yeah. And hard working you guy. said four, so you must have a sibling. Yeah, I have a sister who okay. still lives in Nashville. She okay. was a year older than me. Um, she had a, a medical, she actually was out of school for about three or four months when we were in uh, second grade. And so we ended up in the same grade. So we were, we were one year apart <laughs> cool within four days. And then we went all the way through the rest of our school days really? in the same grade. So people thought we were twins. That's awesome. Yeah. So you must have been pretty close. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Sure. Like fought, yeah. Like, fought like brother and sister. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, when you're in a house that small, you got. I used to joke, you have to go outside to change your mind. <laughs> That's awesome. And I lived outside. I mean, I literally, the, the, the majority of my time as a kid, I was one of those kids where um, I only came in when the street lights came yeah. on or my dad said, you know, it's time to come eat or whatever. I've roamed the neighborhood with BB guns and yeah. riding my bike Couldn't and do that. All that. No, no. But <laughs> you imagine if and building tree houses. You imagine if somebody was walking down your street with a BB gun. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or a pack of like you know eight year old boys. With, yeah, with BB Daisy guns. Red Riders. But we did, we did all the yeah, time. Yeah. That was awesome. That's that where is. I learned to shoot. That's, That's really good. awesome. That's yeah. incredible. So I assume it sounds like what you said about your mom. Your parents obviously had a pretty big influence on you yeah yeah and, and you know really my extended family I had a great a great um my wife is an only child so i i kind of feel like i got to you know i never saw that part yeah. of, of it but uh my cousins and aunts and uncles and all that Everybody so was we around? Were, uh fairly close huh. but but um what was great is you know if it was labor day or fourth of july or what you know we were we were my i have an aunt and uncle who live um outside of nashville little and they had a farm but so, you know, every Labor Day you had a dove hunt, you know, Fourth cool. of July, yeah. you know, and, and there would be, you know, sometimes 30, 40 people at our little gatherings. And so all uh -huh. my cousins and aunts and uncles and, huh. and all that. So it was, a, it was a real, it was a real wholesome kind of huh. way to grow uh, up. I think about, this is a, a little uh, di diversion here, but like growing up in Nashville in Davidson County. Yeah. And then now, what Nashville yeah. is has got to be just remarkable. It, it's yeah, yeah. I don't even reckon. I told somebody the other day. I, I was never a, uh, a race car or NASCAR or whatever it is, but but we we lived so close to the fairgrounds mm -hmm. that whenever they had the races on Saturday night, my room used to be the garage that was converted to a bedroom, and I would have my window cracked in the summer because it'd be yeah. so hot, and I could hear the start of the races, wow. how loud it was. And so we were, you know, I would say as the crow flies, we were probably two miles from downtown. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. Well, especially kind of what you said about Franklin and like I mean, oh, yeah. the drive on the interstate, it takes an hour yeah. now, you know, in the worst part of the day. That's so right. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. A lot of folks moving in. You know, one of the most interesting things when you mentioned that about the geography of Nashville, one of the greatest things my parents ever did for my sister and I, when we were growing up, we were, we were zoned, just kind of really because of where we live. We were zoned for a high school that did not have a great track record mm -hmm. for academics or, yeah. or even, you know, staying out of trouble and things mm -hmm. like that. And my parents um, got my sister and I transferred to Overton High School, which was south, yeah. out, uh, out Franklin Road towards Brentwood, okay. kind of out that way. So I went from kind of probably you know being zoned for a school or probably would have gotten in trouble mm. to now ending up in a school where you know country music stars kids were there and and uh it was just a, it was a different world yeah. i was the guy that wore the blue jeans and the flannel shirt and you know <laughs> they were they were the eyes eye crowd yeah you know? but but it was interesting because i'd never been exposed to that yeah and it really wow. really influenced me huh. just some of the friends i had and yeah. going to their homes and realizing well, everybody doesn't live in a Little small house, yeah. huh. so it was it was eye opening. What? Uh, so I guess you left a bunch of friends. I mean, all your friends from Kinda, school, right? uh, you know, but you I went back to them every day when you went home. I yeah, guess. I say this tongue in cheek, but most of the guys in my neighborhood I grew up with either were forced to go into the military or they 
uh, they went away. Mm. So what we call it, they got in, <laughs> they got in trouble. They got in trouble. Yeah, they'll be back in 24 months <laughs> or something like that. Uh, you know, the greatest thing about my neighborhood, though, is I could walk out my front door, and there were three of these parks in Bear Hill. And so we had a basketball court. We had a wow. baseball diamond with a backstop. Yeah. And we had a big area where we could play football. Wow. And then there were swings huh. and all that stuff. So literally, I could, you know, just pick up all the kids, the guys in my neighborhood. Yeah. I mean, we'd play basketball for an hour, and then we'd go play baseball. And then we'd yeah. have a football game. Then we'd awesome. I mean, it was just great. Yeah. Good childhood friends, but yeah. everybody, I, I, to this day, I have zero of those friends that I've from your neighborhood mm, that I grew up really? with that I have any contact with huh. or have had any contact. High school with. friends? Uh, yeah, high, high school, school friends. friends. Yeah, yeah, sure. But just yeah, not and college friends, friends, but yeah. not my neighborhood huh. friends. Huh. It's kind of weird. Everybody just kind of. You, you said that the high school was like this big influence because you went somewhere different. You know what? What do you think? The how do you think that shaped you? Now looking back, you know yeah. what? Thirty, forty years. Yeah, probably forty, 40 years, years ago. Yeah, forty years ago. Um, you know, I, I think like most things in life, opportunity is the key. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like that talent is pretty evenly distributed amongst most people. Not the same talent, but yeah, talent yeah. is evenly distributed. Yeah. Opportunity is not evenly right. distributed. And so one of the things that, that was eye-opening for me was I can remember one of my best friends. Uh, I, I went to his house and his dad was like an executive with Kroger. And I, you know, this kid lived five miles from me, mm. but they lived in a house that was, you know, probably six, seven times bigger than my house. And they had nice cars and wow. they had this and that. And, and I began to see, like, what's the potential? Mm. Mm. You know, how did this guy, how, why is he in this family? Mm. And why is his dad doing something different than the other dads mm. I know in my neighborhood? And what's the difference? And, and that's not too bad. It's not to draw a comparison. One's yeah. better than the other. But I'd never had any contrast. Right. Yeah. You know, when you grow up and everything's the same, mm -hmm. everybody around you's got the same. It's, it's not as yeah. obvious. So I began to, you know, even when I was in, uh, even when I was in high school. I mean, I can remember I went. Pam Tillis was in my class. And her her really? dad was Mel Tillis. Really? And uh, yeah, and the so, stutter from Mel so, Tillis. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I can remember I going going to too. going to our going over to their house after football games and just kind of being this kid from like, hey, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm from yeah. the other side of the tracks. That's crazy. <laughs> but look at how all these kids live. Yeah. You know, so it was wow. uh, in its own way, it was very. Um, inspiring mm -hmm. and encouraging yeah. I never looked at it like somehow I had been treated differently yeah. or or was missing something right it was just something to aspire to and to know hey there's there's other options out yeah. there that's yeah. really cool I was the first person to go to to college in my family really uh, yeah so wow. aunts uncles huh. cousins everything now I've got several cousins and others that yeah. have graduated but at the time I was kind of an anomaly wow. first guy in my neighborhood all, all the People I knew, you know, they they did not go to school. Do you think if you hadn't gone to Overton that that would be different? I think so. Yeah. And and the other thing, you know, people, I, I'm I'm one of these people where I believe, you know, God has a way of putting people in your life for different seasons. Mm -hmm. And so, like family members and people like that, your spouse, you know, they're there yeah. for a long time. But there are people who come into your life in different times. That for whatever reason there's a purpose in that, and I was I was dating a young lady in high school, and um, she went to she went to Tennessee Tech in Goodwill, and so uh, I just kind of followed her up hmm. there and thought, hey, this is maybe what I should do. And we we broke up pretty quickly yeah. after getting <laughs> up there, but then um, it encouraged I got in, I had gotten involved and um, and it encouraged me to stay, and then I met my wife after a couple of years. And uh, she was two years ahead of me in school, so she got out. And then, of course, she was like, mm -hmm. you, "You need to." You know, she was, you know, my wife's <laughs> she was encouraging. My wife, my wife Jamie, has um, has just been, you know, a constant since then, in in many ways. But but her encouragement to like, yeah, you're going to do this. Mm -hmm. I was not a good student. Huh. I was a natural student. I could remember stuff if it was something I was interested in. Yeah. You know, these guys that like remember football stats. If it was something I was interested in, I never had a problem hmm. with it. But to study and to I feel you. Yeah, math, <laughs> math about kept me from going to, of course, engineering school and math about ate my lunch. Yeah. I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, though, if you listen, I mean, there are some that are the Elon Musk's and the Zuckerberg's yeah. and just like crazy, brilliant 
But I mean, a lot of entrepreneurs, especially as I do the show and listen to them, I don't think that many are like, oh, it's a fantastic straight A, right. valedictorian. I mean, most of them, I think it's the grit and the grind. You know, yeah. it's just something different about it. You yeah, know? absolutely. And you know, when I when I got to when I got to Tennessee Tech, I thought I wanted to be an engineer. Kind of had this epiphany as a freshman that uh, you know I didn't know a lot, but the things that I did figure out were really instrumental in guiding me. <laughs> and 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 it hit me one day that I don't care what you do, if you're a doctor or a plumber, or or you know, it, it doesn't matter. Business is what undergirds mm -hmm. everything. Yeah. And just like you hear people say, accounting is the language yeah. of business. I think business is is what drives every profession. Mm -hmm. And so it hit me as like, look, I, I'd had a lot of success doing business related things, and I thought this mm. is, this is for me. This did, is what I want to do. Did you do? Was there anything in like middle school, high school, where you oh, yeah, working jobs? Always, and oh yeah, I was a, I always so as. As you can imagine, and, and we weren't we weren't poor, yeah. but my family were you know they were pretty frugal, and yeah. they decided what they were going to do, with, and, and were good stewards of their money. And so we never, I never had the fad stuff, you know. Everybody at school was wearing the cool <laughs> the shoes, the tennis shoes. Yeah. I got the you know I got the Kmart specials, whatever. Huh. Uh, but so if I ever wanted anything, I really I had to work huh. for it. And when I was a kid. Uh, one of the one of the stories you'll you'll love this. So we lived near the mall, right? And so all my little our little pack of guys, we'd go over there after school, and we would play uh, what was it? air hockey. Yeah. And so they had this place, and they had pinball machines and air hockey. Well, yeah, my parents weren't the type to go. Here you go, here's a roll of quarters. Yeah. Hope that lasts you for a while. Um, so I was over there one day with no money, watching all my <laughs> friends play, and they used to sell balloons at the mall. And uh, you'd buy these balloons for 50 cents, and moms would get them, and they'd tie them on the strollers, uh -huh. and the kids would pull them. I, I don't know yeah. if they even still do that. And uh, I walked through the mall, and I remember looking up, and it was like 40-foot ceilings in the mall. And I st started noticing all these balloons that were stuck on the ceiling. Kids had let them go. Yeah, yeah. They, they had helium in them, they went yeah. to the ceiling. So I got this idea. I was like, dude, if I could reclaim those <laughs> balloons. So uh, the next day, or no, actually, probably the next week, I got the some kite string from the home, and I got some masking tape, and so I had I had 50 cents by that point, so I bought one balloon. And then I put all the masking tape on the outside, turned it inside out, and I put the kite string on it. And so I started like letting the balloons up, sticking them to the balloons <laughs> on the ceiling, and pulling them back down. So after about 30 or 45 minutes, I had like five or six balloons. I go to the other end of the mall, and I sell them all for a quarter. <laughs> so That's awesome. the moms love it. They can buy two balloons for both kids. So, so, but my life is full of those kind of stories because if I had, if I wanted something, I really yeah. had to find a way, a creative way of generating uh, money. Huh. When uh, when I determined that I was going to marry Jamie, um, of course I was in college and I didn't have any money. And, mm. My roommates and I, we, we started a business and uh, made enough money and, and bought a bought a diamond Where'd ring for our wife. We had one of my roommates was from Smithville, and in McMinnville near his house, it's the nursery capital of the hmm. world. So they grow and nursery okay. meaning all these plants, yeah, plants and all and that. And so we would take a trailer to down there and we buy all these plants wholesale and bring them back to Cookville. And then then we got into like people would say, well, I need you to you know, install all these things, dig the holes, landscape my yard, do whatever. And so we went from being a kind of a broker for wholesale plants to we started doing all wow. So in a matter of three months, I earned about 1500 bucks back in 19, that would have been like 1983 or 84. That's probably yeah. five or six grand. Right yeah, now. well I was working as a as a swim coach making like 360 an hour. <laughs> so it was like 1500 bucks extra during the summer. Yeah. Yeah, just to do something. That's but awesome. it was one of those things where well, what else are you going to do? Yeah. I'm not going to rob a bank. All right. That's you know, awesome. So you got to find a way Figure to it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's you know, it's those kind of things huh. I think that cause you to be creative. Yeah. I, I'm I'm one of those people in business where I, I've always thought, you know, um, a lack of money is never really an obstacle mm -hmm. or something, mm -hmm. but, but even bigger, the, the biggest obstacle you have is a lack of an idea. Yeah. You yeah. can always find ways to, to, to mm -hmm. support great ideas. Yeah. And when I look back on my life, I did, I did a lot of huh. projects, things I learned from. Yeah. Did you, you know, you're talking about going to school, so you go to this 
high school that sounds like it's probably more wealthy. Oh yeah, you know, absolutely. and you don't have that. So did no. you ever feel that it did it was uh, it was it anything really. where it was like and did, any, did anybody ever even act like it was a um no, I mean, you know, I wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't Mr. Overton or anything like that. Yeah. I was probably a nondescript kind of student. I had some, had some great, yeah, yeah, I had, had some great <laughs> friends and, and played basketball with Buster Brown. His his dad was Jim Ed Brown. I mean, we had all, uh, anyway. So that's awesome. <laughs> and back then, they just went to. I probably had five or six country music stars kids in my high school. Really, that were just. Just good kids, they just never, regular, never, regular never, kids, yeah. yeah. Huh. And and some of the other people in my high school, their parents were as affluent or more than the country music yeah, people. Yeah, they just yeah. weren't as well known, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I never. I don't think I knew enough. I was too naive. Yeah. You know, now as an adult, I probably would have felt really <laughs> like, hey, I don't belong here. What's up with this? Yeah. But back then, I was kind of naive and just thought, hey, huh. people, people judge you for who you are. Yeah. Not for what it's you're a, driving, great perspective, what you're though. wearing. Yeah. Although they were being judged for what they wore, <laughs> what they were driving. <laughs> That's right. I didn't know any better. <laughs> um, what was your? You talked a little bit about Tennessee Tech, and that's where you obviously met your yeah. wife. But what was that overall experience like? You, it was good. Uh, I, I I like to joke that I crammed four years into five. Uh, <laughs> it, it did take me a, a little while longer to get out. And uh, was she really the the girl was like that was the inspiration for it. It wasn't like I could go here, here, here. Yeah, but yeah, there's more to it than that. It was convenient because she was going up there. But my mom uh, worked at Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt had a um, a tuition program. Hmm. So if you were an employee of Vanderbilt, your your child could go to school anywhere in the state of Tennessee up to the tuition for for Vanderbilt University. So what I had to do is I had to take some tests and stuff and. I think at the time, you know, Vandy and maybe Swanee or somewhere were the most expensive yeah. schools, and, and um, so it was um, it was good for my parents hmm. because my school was paid for. Of course, they yeah. you know housing and things like that they helped with. Right. And were very supportive, um, but I think uh, that alone. So I, I, I owe Vanderbilt. Hmm. You know, Vanderbilt was very gracious, and, awesome. and up until recently, they still offered that. I think now it's partial. Wow. But what a great perk, yeah. uh, particularly for someone like my folks who who were like, hey, we don't have to worry about, yeah. even back in that day, mm-hmm. you know, I was probably spending two or three thousand bucks a year on wow. college, huh. uh, so that was you, helpful. You know something that it strikes me, the two things that you've now talked about that come back to a word you mentioned is just opportunity. Yeah. You know, and I think about like, you know, just, uh, there's all this, it, some of the work that we do in the city, you know, that you do and that I do, like that's the biggest barrier for a lot of kids yeah. is that they don't have access to the opportunities to people right. who can give them opportunities. But like, those are two big deals. Yeah. Like that you just said, one is going to Overton and two right. is your mom working at Bandy right. and having that opportunity to go to yeah. school like that. That's a oh, big man, deal. When you look back over your life and you think of all the things. You know, probably should be dead, probably should have gone to jail, probably should have, you know, yeah. whatever it is. But when you also look back and you go, man, what a break, yeah. what a break. And uh, and um, that's that certainly was one of those things. You know, when I got to Tennessee Tech, um, some of my friends from, uh, and, I, and I was always kind of this way. I never, I was never the franchise guy that just bought into what existed. I was always the guy that like, I believe, I believe we can make something that's mm. better than that. Mm-hmm. And so when I got to Tennessee Tech, you know, there's eight or 10,000 students, and, and um, I started a fraternity. <laughs> you started a fraternity? Yeah. So, so with, with Rather some, than joining a fraternity. Yeah, so with some other guys. And so we were a, we were a charter for a year. And then, uh, so, so for the, it's the Pi, Pi Kappa Alpha down. And so there's 47 names on the charter of the, of the fraternity and mine's one That's of them. That's crazy. Yeah, so we went, we went through this whole period where we had to go through the national fraternity. And, and I, why? I know why? there's, what's the, the background? Like, why not it, just join Sigma Chi? I, li- I like the guys. <laughs> yeah, right, right. There were some good, there yeah. were some good fraternities. Um, well, part, there were some other guys that were like me that were like, hey, we're, I think we're different than these guys. Huh, interesting. And, and we have other guys that are like us, and we have other guys that aren't like us. Let's huh. put it all together and think we'll have a pretty good group. It was a lot of work, but I tell, I tell especially young people, 
you know, fraternities get bad raps, mm -hmm. and some of it is due. Yeah. It Tennessee Tech, the fraternity, the the inner fraternity council there was kind of Mayberryish. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody. You know, we the things you read about in the paper and at other big universities and stuff. We we didn't do right. all that stuff. Yeah. You know, um, so. What I learned though was about starting something from scratch and That's building funny. something and then having a group of guys that you have to have a vision. You can't have 20 of them wanting to go this way, right. 30 of them wanting to go this mm -hmm. way. It, the camaraderie mm. that was part of yeah. that and building it was some, and some of those friendships uh, to this day are some of the some of the greatest friendships I have. Still keep in touch with those guys. I'm just trying to comprehend this. Like, hey, you know, it's Rush. Ah. Let's just yeah. let's just do our own. Yeah, let's, yeah. Let's, so what does that look like? There's well, no internet. Like right, how do you right. how do you Well there were some guys, there were about twenty guys who had already kind of come to this conclusion. Okay. So we we joined with them and then we continued to recruit other people until we got to the we had I think we had to have forty or something to start and I think there's maybe about forty seven of us on the chart. How do you choose like oh, we're gonna do, you know, Sig up or, uh, or yeah. Or well, we had the, there know. was a chapter. There was a chapter advisor who had been, okay. and there was also a, a guy who was a graduate assistant who had been a pike at another university. Got it. State. Okay. And so he had gotten the ear of these guys. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So it was, it was just all. It was like today. It's kind of networking. That's crazy. I mean, we didn't pick it out of a magazine. Yeah, these guys. Sent <laughs> Well, you can't. Again, there's you, there's yeah, no Google. Google. There's no like. That's right. How do but, I start a fraternity? If it had been. You know, you know, alpha beta, alpha beta chi. It doesn't matter. We we were going to build the culture yeah, for that fraternity. Cool. So did you get a good. house? Yeah, we had a house. We had everything. It was awesome. <laughs> that's incredible. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's still a startup. That's yeah. kind of like a startup franchise. Oh, I learned more about it. I was an officer and did all those kind of things. And uh, wow. we were our national. You'll love this. Our national symbol was a fire truck. And so I remember one night, uh, Sunday night, we were having our chapter meeting, and somebody said, hey, um, my dad knows a guy in Nashville, uh, in Franklin, actually, uh, who has this old fire truck. It's like a 1967. It runs, and the guy wants like 1800 bucks for it. And uh, we literally raised the money <laughs> that night, passed the hat, and people wrote checks. We emptied bank accounts and shook out <laughs> pigs and everything else. And, and uh, we bought this fire truck, and then and then we would take the fire truck to the football game. That's awesome. we, were the new, we were the new guys in town, in town and That's we were incredible. hanging off the fire truck and doing the parades. That is that. so yeah. awesome. Yeah. Wow. Was what was your, you said you were an officer. What were you? Yeah. Uh, All of them at one yeah, point? Yeah, at, at one point. I was never the, I don't think I was ever the treasurer. Okay. But, you know, president? all the other stuff. Uh, actually, I think I was the vice president. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. Awesome. I don't know if I was. There. I don't think I was ever that's the a, president. That's a great. I mean, between starting oh, up and being in the in leadership, that's yeah, a great experience. Absolutely, and you know, you have budgets. You have. Yeah. I mean, you you have. You know, you can sanction other brothers for things. I mean, you know, we wow. have a judicial committee, and I mean, you have to put all this structure in place. It's not wow. just hey, let's just show up. Yeah. And, it's yeah, and you can imagine the university is going to be. You know, they're going to have very tight control over any yeah. on campus right. organization like that. Was so, your house on campus? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. That's <laughs> How do you get a house on campus? How does that work? <laughs> well, it uh, you know, I say on campus, we you just went to the edge of our street. Yeah. You went to the end of our street and that's the first building. Okay. I assume we were within the property. The the university did not own our house. Got it. Okay. Yeah, we we that's rented incredible. it. What a great yeah. story. Yeah. So so I do That's my know. life in general. <laughs> Well, I do want to know one thing after another. how you met Jamie. Was did you, yeah. were you hanging off the side of the fire yeah, truck? Yeah, uh, She's of. like, I we, want that guy. Yeah, we went, <laughs> we went to we went to homecoming together. It was our first really? our first date, and then she huh. was a little sister. I mean, we had a little sister as okay. an old deal. Yeah, so uh -huh. we started dating there. She was from uh, Chattanooga and grown up in Chattanooga, and okay. she was she was a big deal in her sorority. So she had gained a lot of good experience there. She was on the. Uh, we both were, uh, I was on the Interfraternity Council, and she was part of all the sorority stuff and mm. everything, so it was just a good experience. I've huh. never done any of that kind of stuff before. Yeah. It was, it was neat. But yeah, it was it was kind of love at first sight. Really? So, yeah, yeah. yeah. For yeah, you or for her? I have to ask her. I don't know about for me. I was probably just some... <laughs> you were smitten. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Uh, I was lucky to 
to find someone. So like you her. met her because of your fraternity and yeah, sorority, or yeah, whatever being, that's yeah, called. Being, um, yeah, and, and you know, even I'm thinking back now. It's funny. I was flooding back, but like. You know, Big Brothers Big Sisters was our national philanthropy. So, really? uh, you know, our oh, friends yeah. right down the street, uh, yeah. one of your employees yeah. is very involved uh, yeah. there. Yep. And uh, but Big Brothers Big Sisters, and so we did uh, one of the first big jobs I had with the fraternity was to do this giant on-campus fundraising thing that we brought all the fraternities and mm. sororities together for these competitions and all this kind of stuff. Mm. And it was, I mean, the organization and all of it was. It's probably why it took me five years to get to school. <laughs> That's incredible. But it was it was good, practical um, experience, mm -hmm. and I think experiential learning is key yeah. to life. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. So I was still uh, it was it was a jump start for mm -hmm. me. You, Jamie, what? You, she what, was a couple years ahead of me in school, and uh, she got out of school. She had a really successful career. She was a retail buyer. So when she first came to Knoxville, she was working for Miller's. Yeah. The old Miller's oh, person was right yeah. down on Bay uh, Street. Yeah. The uh, World's Fair was going on in 1982. Uh, yeah. And so she was, you know, right out of college. Did she moved here and you were in Tennessee? Yeah, still I was still in Cookville. Okay. She moved here and uh, over, lived over off Paper Mill. So we had a commuting relationship yeah. for a couple of years. Yeah. And uh, But she, um, she bought for Miller's and then she... Uh, we moved for a short time and went to Louisville, Kentucky, and, and then uh, she always was, she never was ever unemployed. She was really good mm. at what she did, and she loved traveling. She'd go to New York for market and all that wow. kind of stuff, and, and when our kids were, were young, uh, we just kind of made the decision that, you know, she was going to stay home yeah. and do those things, and um, I'd like to say we could afford to do it, but at the time we weren't sure, <laughs> but it was a big decision, and yeah. she was a great mom, and That's awesome. um, I think our kids were certainly better because of it. So what kind of degree did she get? Like a merchandise she got, yeah, mm -hmm. that? Yeah, okay. yeah. And yours is yeah, business. Yeah, mine is business business marketing and management okay. and all that kind of stuff. Okay, yeah. cool. Mm -hmm. And what, so walk me through, she's here, you're graduating. Yeah. Was it like, I'm gonna move to Knoxville or you Yeah, job pretty much. She'd already else? had a couple, two and a half, three years of, yeah. of work experience, at least two and a half. And so she was established in her career. Here I am, you know, getting right out of school. And, and so I was hey, I'll just come to Knoxville. It's as good as anywhere. What were you thinking and, about doing? Uh, wasn't really sure. Just I mean, honestly, find a job yep, with a business yep, degree yep. or a marketing degree. And yeah. uh, I uh, interviewed with a company based out of Brentwood, and uh, uh, it, it was a, they were a healthcare-related company, sim very similar to what we do now. Okay. And uh, and you talk about another gift in life, man. I joined this company. I was 23 years old. We had 45 employees. And uh, that was the only other job I've had besides my own businesses. And so from 23 to 30, I worked for this company, and we went from 45 to 450 employees. And wow. uh, so we had, I had, a, we had an office here in Knoxville, but um, they were based in Brentwood. And, huh. and I, had a, I had a super boss, a guy that was just a, um, a really, um, uh, I, I don't know, encouraging, because he, you know, there's a lot of accountability, but just a, he was an inspiring mm. guy, and he taught me the basics of business. Yeah. And that was, that was, I probably haven't given my boys great advice, but one of the things I told my older son when he, when he was graduating is he was looking at all these, hey, this is a startup, and I look, work is really not about hanging out at a coffee shop on your laptop <laughs> two hours a day, you know, worrying about what the price is for Bitcoin or something, yeah. you know, that's the, what you need is to go to work somewhere where mm -hmm. you can learn the fundamentals mm. of business, blocking and tackling, yeah. being an organization where you don't get your way, being yeah. an organization where you come up and like you're mad about bureaucracy and, you, and you're trying to figure out a way to serve your clients yeah. better and you're being there and there's constraints mm. and you got to think about how to get around all that kind of stuff. And that's what, that was part of hmm. working there, going from 45 to 450. Uh, uh, and yeah. so I learned, man, it was like drinking from a fire hose. And it was, it was the whole revenue cycle. Yeah, it was all stuff. revenue cycle stuff. They were really uh, some, some innovators and some stuff they were doing. Hmm. And uh, we became uh, one of the biggest players in the market and then they, they sold. Wow. And I knew at that point, you know. You don't want to do that again? There were six shareholders. They were all about about 15 to 20 years older than me. Hmm. 
and I was probably number eight on that list. And so I, wow. got, I got a pat on the back. Oh, they man. all got some pretty big checks. Yeah. But, you know, I look back, Paul, I got more than, you know, it was. I wasn't looking for a payday, mm-hmm. but what I got out of that was some just great experience. Yeah, like an MBA. Yeah, and yeah. and I tell people this sometimes, too, when they get frustrated with their jobs. Sometimes what you learn from a business that you work for is not necessarily how to do things right, but you, you look at the mistakes and say, I'm mm-hmm. never going to repeat yeah. that. I'm not yeah, going to treat yeah, people that way. Absolutely. I'm not going to do this. I'm yeah. not going to do that. And so it, it, it was a gift, yeah. and, it, and it was it was a good fuel for me when I started my own company. I would I had a lot of influences for me in sports, and I, it's funny you say that. I think the same thing. Like I, I've probably learned more from my bad coaches yeah. than I ever learned from my great coaches. Yeah. You know, and, and I learned a lot from my great coaches. Sure. But like I learned a lot from the ones that didn't do it right. That's right. You're like I don't ever want to be that way. I don't ever want to coach or lead in that way. So people model whether it's good or bad, and people Man, are looking yeah. at them. Yeah. yeah. My friend uh, told me early on raising kids to remember that more is caught than is taught. Yeah. And I think it's just, that's true about just business too. Like they're yeah. going to have people, you can say what everyone says, yeah. but if you don't walk that out, then yeah. it's, they're yeah. not going to do it. And people want to be led. Mm-hmm. People want to be led. You know, I, I've discovered that as I get more gray hairs and people show up every day and they just kind of, if left sometimes, not, not out of intelligence, not out of mm-hmm. intent, not out of anything, but they just kind of roam aimlessly unless they're, you've got to be the, yeah. you've got to be the rudder on the ship to keep things yeah. going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. One of my, good. one of my favorite old things was a uh, guy said you know if you if, if you want to build a ship you know you don't start by going out and chopping down a bunch of trees and having people draw up the plans first thing you do is give the group a yearning for the sea mm, that's good and yeah. that's what it's yeah, about you got to get people if people are excited and people know where you're going and people are behind what you're about and they understand the why mm-hmm. of what you're doing do you get out of their way yeah. they're gonna run you over yeah, that's really you're good. not gonna have to drag them along yeah uh, we, <laughs> hey, before we transition too much into work, yeah. you, you wrote some things down about just big influences. Um, I'd love to walk through those sure. individually for just a minute and hear kind of your story. You, yeah. you list your wife first. You may yeah. have, you may have already covered it, but yeah, what well, is it about Jimmy that's really influenced and you know, inspires I think, you? Uh, um, I think everybody needs somebody in their life that speaks truth to them. Mm. It's not always welcomed. And I think when you have a title or a certain amount of success or other things in life that, that might cause you to think you're a big deal, you need, you need somebody yeah. that says you're not a big deal. Yeah. And, and, and here's what you have to remember. Mm. And, um, and so that's one thing I appreciate about her. I appreciate about her is that she, she keeps me grounded. Uh, number two, she's always just been very supportive. She basically you know, gave up a career mm. for me to pursue the things that I have pursued. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I wake up and I'm, you know, 20, 30 years down the road and I think of all the things that consume my time. And she wakes up and kids are out of the house and she's like, you know, what have I gotten out of this? Yeah. And huh. uh, hopefully her life has been enriched by both of us being yeah. successful. But she's she's my partner, man. We've been 36 years in November, awesome. 36 years. And so she's been through all the ups and downs. Um, I tried to, one of my hardest things I try to do, and you know this in business, man, it's feast or famine. There are mm-hmm. days where you just want to, you know, somebody's talking you off the ledge. The next day you're on top of the world yeah. and nothing can stop you. And, and I've always tried to, when I come home at night, mm-hmm. to not put her through the same ups and downs that I've experienced yeah. throughout the day. Now, I can't say I've always done that. She knows <laughs> when things are bad. She knows when yeah. there are challenges. But but it's not fair to her for me to come home and drag all that stuff mm-hmm. in. And um, but she's uh, she's a champ. Mm-hmm. We she loves the same things I love. We're different in a lot of ways. Yeah. People say that about opposites. Or yeah. We're not. I mean, we're we're very different in the mm-hmm. things that we enjoy. But uh, I, I, there is no doubt in my mind, uh, I, I would have had had achieved any amount of success that I've had without her. That's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Doug Sager. That's, that's yeah. He was our, yeah, he was my pastor for 20 years. Baptist, yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Doug said, you know, and, and, and Doug and I were not, you know, we were not the kind of people where we'd go to lunch once a month or anything mm-hmm. like that. But during my formative years, um, uh, Doug was just incredible um, 
as a person who just you know spoke truth and mm. and was just a, a wise man who and from my faith perspective as a I, I, I came to faith when I was 26 years old oh. so the first 26 years of my life man oh. I was just running hard in oh. whatever direction I thought self-sufficiency will kill you yeah and that was my that was my drug. I tell was people, Jamie ahead of you, behind you, or uh, oh, she she come to faith when she was a little girl. Oh, okay, she she was <laughs> so part she was, of, part, she was <laughs> part of my story. Yeah, That's she didn't cool. give up on me. But uh, but but that was um, that was one of those things where uh, my life just changed. I mean, mm. all of a sudden, I went from kind of just being on this treadmill, having the weight of the world on my back, thinking, boy, if I'm ever going to be anything or have anything mm. or achieve any level of success, um, it's going to be because of me. Mm. And all that changed. I had such a peace. My life just gained such purpose at that point. Yeah. And that's really when I hit my stride, man. Huh. And so during that time, I came to faith. Uh, uh, Doug Sager came to our church just a few years after that, about mm. three or four years after that. And uh, so for 20 years, I sat under his teachings and, mm. and all that, and he was just somebody that That's was... Neat. Isn't it funny, though, how you can have a relationship with somebody like that? And I say those things. You know, I didn't eat lunch with Doug once a month. <laughs> I didn't even really... Yeah. But, but when he was retiring, I was in a, I was in a position at church as, as part of our personnel team and, and in some other roles there where when he transitioned, I was in a position to really uh, help he and his mm. wife and do some things so it kind of came full circle it's awesome yeah 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 i do understand i mean I, uh, john wood at, at cedar springs oh, for seven years in a pivotal time in my life i would say you know and john i mean i'm sure maybe if he saw me he would know who i am he saw i sat up front so he would always say hi and stuff like that but i've never yeah spent yeah, two minutes with him but he's in profoundly influenced me absolutely profoundly influenced yeah me, so we, we all be like that you know yeah. there's people say hey I, you didn't know me but i was looking at you no. That's why it's important that Big we deal, yeah. Yeah, that we uh, are cautious with what we do and what we say. That's good. Who is Wes Evans? Wes and Terry <laughs> Terry Delaney, both of those guys. You know, and I go back to that God puts people in your life for seasons and, and for the last, you know, seven, eight, ten years. Um, Wes was our youth pastor at, at Concord and he and I Jamie and I both worked with youth for oh. twenty five years. Okay. And, and we got to know Wes when he first came there. But now West through a series of events at our church has become is um, a business guy now, mm. and so he and I have uh, really had a discipleship relationship where uh, faith and work mm. and understanding um, just the whole idea of marketplace Christianity, and, yeah. and that he has just as much an opportunity to be a pastor mm. in his day to day work as he ever did mm. reporting to an office in a church yeah. building, and huh. so he and I have. Uh, have grown uh, in that relationship, and I I learned so much from him. He's Wes is forty years old, but he's you know wise like a, hmm. a much older person, and so I love that guy. The other guy that's in that little group is Terry Delaney. He's one of my buddies, and Terry is a I just I say he's a big wig. I don't even know his title. He's in sales <laughs> and marketing all that for Bush Brothers here okay. in town. Yeah. And Terry and Wes and I just have a you know you have guys like that in your mm -hmm. life where you know we're constantly praying for each other, texting each other. That you, they know when something big's happening. Yeah. They know what's ahead for the week. They know the struggles of what's going on in your family and mm. all those kind of things. Mm. And so those are guys, you know, back in the maybe in the '90s we called them accountability partners yeah. or something. <laughs> but those two guys are my they're my they're my my go-to guys. Mm, that's awesome. We communicate huh. every week. We we're all with some other people in a small group and that's things cool. like that. Yeah. Uh, what about your your uh, in-laws? So yeah, like my mother and father-in-law were just, Jamie was the only child. They, I mean, they literally adopted me when we got mm. married. And so they lived in Chattanooga, just salt of the earth. My father-in-law was a, a blue-collar guy, just uh, didn't say a whole lot. Mm. But when he did, it was important. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they loved our grandchildren. My wife was still working. They were young. and They would come to town mm. and keep our kids. And just, you know, they were just, you know, just salt of the earth folks and they love me you know, huh. just like I was their son that's cool yeah. now are any of hers or your parents are they all you said your my mom, dad is still alive yeah away. we had we had a, we had 15 months we lost three parents oh wow yeah her dad Jeez. then my mom then her mom oh, all, all within just a little over a year that was wow. about three years ago my dad's still uh, alive my sister lives in Nashville and 
God bless her. She she goes to my dad's house three days a week, takes him out, drives him around. Awesome. How old is he? Goes to the store. He's just turned eighty five. That's awesome. And uh, I don't know what I'd do without her. Yeah. I, I, I try to get down there as much as I can, but she's a she's a saint. That's cool. That's awesome. Um, and then I want to hear about building a plane because of Robert. I don't know how to oh. say this. High oh, the teacher. building. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Doctor Meadow. So what? What I always I loved. I loved planes. I always thought I wanted to be a pilot. Huh. I had horrible eyesight. Yeah. Back in the day, they convinced you that you know if you wear glasses, yeah. you're just not yeah. going to be. Yeah. So I always loved planes. Even when I was a little kid, my dad would buy me the little balsa wood planes, oh, yeah. and we yeah. would make all the. I bought some of those recently. You can still buy them. Can you? They're super I, fun. I love. <laughs> I love. And so I, I was just a plane. We'd go to air shows. I mean, mm -hmm. it was. Just, I just loved everything about planes. So when I was uh, a sophomore, a junior. In high school, I had a, instead of physics, we had a, in, in our school was, uh, you know, I guess it had some really nice programs, maybe different than, it was a comprehensive mm -hmm. high school is what they called it back okay. then. And uh, so I took a, a, this aeronautics class. It was all about, and the guy that taught it was a retired Air Force guy. Mm -hmm. And so we learned everything, you know, just. This air, guy. Air, mm -hmm, Dr. Okay. Meadow. And, uh, aeronautical stuff and, and you know some of it was physics and weather really mm -hmm. all different kind. it was just really interesting and so we were talking to him one day and he was like how do you get a pilot's license where can we go and fly my buddies and i used to go to eagleville tennessee mm -hmm. and fly gliders you know for twelve dollars they take you up and we, they called it the lead sled <laughs> and if you've seen the big gliders yeah. with like the 30 foot uh, wing yeah. they pull you behind yeah. the plane so for 12 bucks we'd go and we we and we thought that you know we were fighter pilots. Well, so he said, "Well, I've got some plans for a plane," and uh, he gave them to me. And a friend of mine, his name was Guy Hart, and we'd already tried to build this little uh, hang glider thing, and uh, it was we made it out of aluminum crutches. It was a delta wing, you know, a triangle thing. Mm. And his brother, his brother jumped off the corner of their two-story house. <laughs> And it folded oh, like no. a cheap chair. I just <laughs> and it broke, broke his arm. Oh his my body. gosh! I mean, so his mom said, "Look, if y'all are going to do this flying, thing, you know, get get your act together." Real so, plane. So this thing uh, was was uh, had fourteen foot wings, so it was twenty eight feet wide, wow. and it had about a sixteen foot empennade, all the the fuselage, and it you know uh, it looked just like a. Um, like a plane, except it was a biplane, mm -hmm. and it was one inch furring strips, and then all the spars and the wings were made out of, uh, we found uh, bamboo. And so one night, I still remember this, one night at their house, we built a fire and stayed up all night. And we had this, <laughs> we had this uh, form that we had cut out of a two by 10, and we would lash the bamboo on it, we'd heat it over the fire until it made the proper thing, and so we had like 30 of these spars, and we put this thing together, and it was covered in like eight mil plastic, and uh, we took it out to Percy Warner Park, and we'd fly it out there. And it was just think like, uh, you know, like a kind of like a hang glider, not a hang glider, but this plane that you said you, you stood in, in the middle, right? You stood in the middle, and then we'd start running. We'd have somebody on the tail, somebody <laughs> on each wing. We'd start running, and it would just lift, you know, it would start lifting, come under your arms. The next thing you know, you're off the ground, and it would probably get. I think the highest we ever got it was maybe ten or twelve feet. That's incredible. But it was just, it was just, it was, and it was just, oh, it was awesome. awesome. It was awesome. So then we, uh, uh, my my buddy guy, he wiped out, and one of the U bolts went in his knee, and he oh, got this. And so his his mom, uh, uh, we were we were sidelined. That was the end of your flying career. They, they had this giant, they had this giant Econo. Connell line van or something because he had a big family and we could get all the parts yeah. in the and she she so, forbid us to use the no van. <laughs> so we flew it about eh, five or six times. Have, I'm surprised you've never like you never in all I've always had an interest. I know pilot's license or anything. No, yeah. I've always had an interest. Huh. Jamie, she's so wonderful. She sent me one time um, to uh, to Huntsville and I did this aviation challenge yeah. thing down there over huh. the weekend where you fly jets and yeah. and then uh, one time I went to uh, Athens, Tennessee, and flew a, a Texan T6, which is an old like mm -hmm. radial mm -hmm. uh, engine plane that I got a little, I got to fly it and all that. So I just, I mean, it's just that's awesome. Yeah, maybe one day. Yeah. I think I'm too old. No, it's still, still time. time. Would you fly with still me if I had a license? Once you get your license, <laughs> I, <will. laughs> I have a couple of friends that um, fly. I have, but you know, this is your story, not mine. But my nephew, uh, he actually got his pilot's license. Uh, when he was in college, wow! Just because he fell in love with flying, yeah. and he's now a 
Delta pilot and a National Guard flies C-5s. Wow. You know, just, uh, I actually was the first person he ever took up after he got his license. So, like, literally, we, we got, I didn't know. No, he, yeah. we, oh, get, he didn't we, tell we, we get in the plane, I was like, so how long? And he goes, well, I just got my, my uh, <laughs> solo license, like, last week or something. Yeah, yeah. I was like, well, who else? No, you're the first in. one. And I was yeah. like, oh, this is cool. Because <laughs> so like, well, it only flies like 120 miles an hour, so it's not that dangerous. Yeah. So like, right, that's yeah. fun. I, it, it's on my list, honestly. You know, you have those, those things in life. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, getting my pilot's license yeah. is on there. That's cool. Maybe like, it's fun. not too late. I don't think I've ever known anybody whose childhood hill- a hero was Sir Edmund Hillary. I love I love I, <laughs> I love, love backpacking. I, love I loved I loved climbing. Really? I loved, all right, so I used to joke all my friends had uh had uh, uh Farrah Fawcett posters in their room. Yeah. Just most people the era, yeah, yeah, that yeah, was. I, know, yeah. I had I had the roof of the world. I had this really? I had this poster that was about twelve inches tall and about eight feet long. And it was the all the highest all the peaks, peaks yeah. and it went all the you know Pakistan, Nepal. It went yeah. all the way down. You could look at everyone. There's K2, uh-huh. there's Everest, there's a, and so Jacques Cousteau. I love Jacques uh, Cousteau. I remember, yeah. I love, I and Sir Edmund Hillary. Yeah. I read a story uh-huh. about it. one of the one of the coolest things. You know, it goes back to one of those things where how things circle back in your life that just give you joy. Uh, about ten years ago. Um, I met Sir Edmund Hillary's son, Peter Hillary, mm. and he was, I, I was his kind of keeper for the day. He was speaking at a, an event. Uh, Todd Green here in town. Todd books a lot yeah. of speakers and all, and we had booked, we had booked uh, Peter through Todd's uh, agency, and he was just an incredible guy. But um, here's where I'm going with that. On the 50th anniversary, I believe it was, uh, the Discovery Channel or National Geographic recreated Sir Edmund Hillary and uh, uh, Tenzing Norgay's climb of Mount Everest with Peter Hillary hmm. and Tenzing Norgay's son. I did see this. Yes. Yeah, so yes. they recreated yes. the yeah. climb like 50 yeah. years later with the sons yeah. of the two guys at the first summit. And so Peter Hillary had the sat phone that he called his dad from on the top of Mount Everest while being filmed wow. by National Geographic, and hey, Dad, we made it. We're here. All that kind of held it right there in that hand. That's awesome. <laughs> wow. Some people say, "Oh, that's kind of nerdy." It's like, that's really like, cool. what a cool thing. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. to meet him and to hear about his yeah. dad. His, his dad's on the he's on the currency of New, New Zealand. I mean, yeah. he's just a oh, phenomenal yeah. guy. That was so fun listening to Neil. And uh, interviewing him was a treat. Can't wait for you to hear the second episode as we're going to get in a little bit further into things um, related to his career, his wife, his family, and all that he's learned uh, as he's really walked this journey for over 30 years now. Stay tuned.